At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com. Let's get ready to rumble! Information jam-packed show today. Peloton of 5%. What's up, Discipline Investor? We got Benzinga CEO Jason Raznick here with us. The man, the myth, the legend, Tom Nash. Peter Schiff on the Power Hour with us live today. Interesting, different, unique, innovative companies. Mia, you are live with us on the Power Hour. What's up? Thank you so much for inviting me on. Jessica Billingley is the CEO of Aperna. The best trade idea resource out there. There we go. What's up, everybody? Happy Wednesday. Happy hump day. What is going on, traders? You are at the power hour. This is the time of trade ideas. That's what we're here for. That's what we're delivering on, guys. For these next 60 minutes, we are going to get the idea flow flying uh, tickers on my radar. Last week, we made live options trades in both Tesla and Ford. We're going to do a quick check-in on those. Look at how our P&Ls are sitting, how we're managing the trades. Uh, Carparts.com. It's a stock that we own. Stock got hammered with some insider selling. We, we brought the company COO onto the show last week to talk about some of, some of that insider activity. So we're going to do a check-in on carparts.com, how that one's looking, how we want to manage the position that we have. Uh, Celsius, that is the third ticker on my list. And I'm going to throw it out there to Zinger Nation, guys. If you have stocks for us to talk about, put them in the chat. Let's get it going. Let's- uh, you know, there, there's no better day of the week. Um, so, so drop your tickers in there. Um, and then at 1230 Eastern guys, uh, we're, we're going to be bringing the CEO of Playboy on with us as ticker PLBY, Papa Lima Bravo Yankee, uh, super interesting business. Y'all know it as the magazine company. That's, that's not how they make money anymore. It is a public company. Uh, so we're going to be talking to them about their business. I mean, the company is expected to grow revenue by more than, than a third this year. So we're going to talk about some of that growth strategy, new segments they've gotten into. Playboy has mentioned NFTs before, can cannabis, gambling, hot, hot uh, sectors. So, so, so we're going to be asking about all of those. Boom. Massive movement in Tesla today. If you are a Tesla shareholder, give yourself a round of applause. All right. You, you got a nice little 4.5% Tesla run. Um, ba- basically, let's zoom it out and talk about the thesis a little bit. So this is now a one-year chart, daily candles that we're looking at. What we did is we sold the 550 strike puts against Tesla. Okay. Let's say that again. 550 strike puts we sold against Tesla. Uh, what does that do when we're selling puts? You buy puts, it's you're, you're betting against the stock. You sell puts, it makes you long the stock, okay? We, we, that 550 strike, basically what that means is when we sold the options, we got money credited to our account right away that day. The risk that we were taking on is that we might have to buy shares of Tesla for 550 bucks sometime within the next two weeks. Okay, so as long as Tesla's above 550, we keep all the premium that we got from selling the calls. If Tesla were to drop to $400, we would be in some trouble because we have to 
uh, is, is we would have to uh, buy the stock for 550. How do we get to that 550 strike? Check it out. We, 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 we saw a couple days of, of buying right here at 550. And so that's why we went ahead and selected that level. So I'm going to click us back to the live brokerage account here. All right. So, 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 so here's the Tesla trade. Um, we, we had the, the unrealized profit column here is, is this third one in that, that 34% that we see. Uh, so, so when, when we sold the calls last Friday, we got $5 and 39 cents per share. So 539 bucks per contract. Uh, now the contracts are trading for $3 and 40 cents on the heels of, of Tesla having a strong day today. Um, you know, but with, within the next week or so, as long as Tesla stays at or above 600 bucks, you know, we, we should be moving closer to that 60 plus 70 plus percent profit profit, uh, or unrealized gain on the trade. Once we get into that 70 plus percent range of, of unrealized gain, I'm going to go ahead and close the trade out. Um, but, but no reason for me today to sell into strength. We're, we're having a, a nice run on the chart today. So I'm going to let the Tesla trade ride. Um, again, you know, we, we can make up to 539 bucks per contract on this. So, so far we've made what about, uh, $2 per contract, 200 bucks per contract, $2 per share so far. So that's where we're sitting on two out of two options trades. We made live on the show last week. We are making some money in. We, we are up on them, so I am going to let them both ride, and we'll continue to monitor closely. All right. Whew. That that was that was a a quick little run. And, and give me some more stocks in the chat, guys. If you have other tickers that you want us to look at, drop them in the chat. I'm gonna just do a quick scroll through. Let's let's grab some of these that folks have already dropped in. Uh, also, like the stream, share the stream. If you have questions for Playboy, uh, drop those in the chat as well. It's going to be an awesome interview. Um, And again, guys, if you are just joining us, this is the Power Hour. This is the Trade Idea Show, 1230 Eastern, about 20 minutes from now. We're going to be talking to the Playboy CEO live. Uh, We're taking some tickers out of the chat right now. Um, And then other stocks on my list to get to today. Uh, Celsius, I want to talk about carparts.com. I want to do a follow-up on that after we had some of their executives on our show last week. And so let's let's get after it. All right. All right. For first one, I see flying through the chat ticker ORPH. Let's load it up. Okay, this is an interesting chart. Holy crap. All right. Look look at these candles. Can can somebody in the chat tell me if this chart is accurate? Did did the stock go from six dollars to eighty dollars to six dollars? I mean, that's sort of a wild price movement. Um what the hell happened here? I don't know how you could have any opinion on this one. I guess we can talk about the news side of things. So per our trusty Benzinga Pro, trading higher, broke through 650 resistance level. Um, I mean, it's been a volatile ass stock. It's a small stock. Again, I think we need to get clarity on whether or not this, this crazy green bar right here is actually real. I mean, I don't know if I've ever seen a candle like that. I mean, these are daily candles. Right, I mean that means one day it was six eighty and six, so 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 that that's that's sort of crazy. All right, so 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 there's that one. Uh, let let let's keep going down the list in the chat here. Okay, first ticker that I saw pop up was this one, uh, Clove. Let's grab Clove out of the chat. 
Yeah, and guys, all you that are putting in ORPH, because there's several of you, get, get, give us more clarity. I, I don't understand what the hell's going on there. All right, Clover Health again. One-year chart, daily candles. Let's zoom it in a little bit to look at the past couple weeks, but we're going to keep the daily candles on at least for now. Um, you know, we, obviously, we had a strong morning in the stock. Uh, it's coming down. It's still strong. I, I don't have any opinions on this one one way or another, but let's make this the first thing that we throw out to the community, out to the nation, guys. Uh, if you like Clover Health, okay, the price is thirteen sixty five. You have to pick one way or another. There's no sitting out. This is no you know World War II neutral country. We're all participating. If you like the stock, drop me a one. If not, drop me a two if you're sitting on the sidelines. For me personally, I, I would be on the two side of things. I, I have no reason necessarily to get into this stock. It's definitely had a colorful history. If we zoom back out. It was a, a really, really hot stock um, right right around its, its SPAC announcement, SPAC merger. You know, it had the slow trickle of death down into the $6 range. Got 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 some some trader love. Um, and, and now we're sort of hanging out in the middle. You know, I, I, I think that the the likelihood that we sort of get that slow trickle of death again is, is similar to the likelihood that we're going to get a major run up in the stock again. Uh, and, and and so that's why I am just hanging out on the sidelines with this one. We, we I threw it out to the chat. I said, guys, if you like the stock, drop the one. If not, drop the two. We have a lot of twos in that one. All right. All right, Ben, welcome to the Power Hour. Happy to have you here. Love the art in the background. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. Happy Wednesday. Uh, But before we dive into things... Wait, Luke, why are we just putting first name? Why don't we get a full name, position, CEO, Playboy. I know, but I'm just saying... Was that Aaron Bree that put the Ben? Just says Ben there. Yeah, well, I'll take full responsibility for that. That was me. Oh, it wasn't Aaron. Oh, there we go. There we go. Okay. 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 No. So, so, so you just saved uh, producer AB's job. It sounds like so. So we're yeah. off to a good start. Well, trying to help. Well, to be honest, Luke, I thought maybe we'd be breaking some more news right now because his name is Ben. He could have been the Ben in Benzinga. That is true. That's where I was going with it, Luke. Okay. All right. Okay. So, um, all right. Well, very excited to have you on the show today. Thanks for having me, Jason. Really appreciate it. And uh, heard a little bit about the uh, Israeli investors out there on the Discord channel. Probably most of them, I still pay attention to it and look at it every day. Although I'm not commenting anymore uh, for legal reasons. But um, shout out to everyone in Israel as well. Yes. What time is it over there? Like they're a little bit ahead, right? Uh, what? Eighteen hours? Something like that. Eight, Eighteen. I think eight hours. Eight hours. I think. Oh, from, from you guys, right? Oh right? yeah. I yeah. think. I don't know. Okay. I haven't been there in a while. It was about, it was before Corona, before COVID. So maybe a year and a half ago. Um, I was there December of nine, December of 19, I think. Just in time. Yep. Wait. So before we go into more of the interview, my first question is, were you at last three weeks ago in Miami at that crypto conference? I was there. I I was there before the crypto conference started. So I was down there uh, the beginning part of the week. We had we had a team down there for the latter part of the week. Yes, we saw them at, at the in the booth. We were we were there, and I've never seen anything more crowded. Um, look, speaking of that, when is our crypto conference? All right. Um, so remember, we left. I'm just glad I didn't get COVID. I walked into that thing. And I'm like, all right, I, I made it a year and a half. Today is the day that I'm getting COVID, and I, I made it out okay. 
yeah, yeah. So that was yeah. So you got off, you got Ben, you left at the right time, just so we're just so we're clear. I, I had my mask on the whole time, you know, coming out of California. We're just starting to open up here, and so uh I had my mask on. Very good. All right, Luke, take it away. All right, so 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 Ben, I, I guess, but before we hop into it, can can you just give us a little bit of a background on the business and, and specifically within the context of the shift out out of media, more to the consumer and, and lifestyle brand? Yeah, look, I think that's really core to the DNA of this company. I mean, what other company's first consumer product were a pair of cufflinks and someone more on their wrist, you know, going back to the you know the fifties and sixties with Playboy clubs, resorts, et cetera. This was always a lifestyle brand. And I think that's what we brought this company back to, to its core DNA. You know, there was always this argument, what's your hero product, right? And everyone say, would say domestically, it's a magazine. And I just fundamentally disagreed with that. To me, the hero product was always the rabbit head. And how you brought it to life has changed over decades and will probably change in decades to come. What's so powerful about this platform is those billions and billions of dollars a consumer spend against it and that we sell product in over 180 countries. And so what we're focused on is, again, bringing this company back to enabling pleasure for everyone uh, and really focus on lifestyle. And that, that can come to life in consumer products. It can come to life in digital experiences. It can come to life in our gaming assets. And so for us, you know, that runway is endless over time. As a team, we, we have to stay very focused uh, on what's ahead of us for the next 12 to 24 months. And that's what we're focused on right now, which is, you know, transforming our business model to a D2C model in the United States and then looking at expanding that in other places in the world. Um, but, you know, long term, can we get into hospitality? Can we get into other things? Sure. Those, the, those are all areas the company has been at or been in over the 68 year history. And, and so, so with regard to monetization of the brand, is, is it mostly a licensing business or, or are you guys actually creating products that, that you're selling directly to consumers or to retailers? How exactly does that work? It's really a hybrid business model. And so when you look at the business three years ago, yes, it was largely a licensing business. Uh, today, if you look at it, our D2C business between Playboy, Yandy, and now our Lovers franchise uh, makes up the bulk of revenue. And so when we look at that moving forward, we will continue to see as a percentage our D2C or owned and operated business grow uh, as a percentage of the total. And, and, and it's true, and this is really the easy opportunity for us or easier opportunity, is we don't have to create new consumer spend against the brand. We are creating new consumer spend. And the repositioning of the brand we, we have done has created that. So if you look at three years ago, probably 90% of our audience uh, was male. In the first quarter of this year, 55% of our sales were to women. But there's already $3 billion to spend. So what we're trying to do is capture a bigger percentage of that. You know, when you look at our PACs and misguided businesses uh, that have grown over 15x over the last three years, you know, misguided, or sorry, PacSun was up another 400 plus percent in the first quarter of this year, year over year. Again, we're getting paid five cents on the dollar there. So the question is, how do we get paid 100 cents on the dollar? And that's what we're focused on first in the domestic market. Okay, so 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 the the next question that I was going to ask was why make the pivot from from licensing the brand to to doing that building out that direct to consumer business, and, and it sounds like you know even though the margins on the licensing business are probably very high, the the revenue opportunity and, and thus EBITDA net income opportunity on on going direct to consumer is significantly greater. Is is that fair to say? 
It is. I also think that, look, the way consumers buy has changed. And so the challenge with licensing is if I gave you a license, Luke, and then I gave Jason the license, both of you have to acquire a customer and you have one product to sell them. If I become the hub in which we have done recently selling even our licensed product on our website, I can be much more efficient and I can drive not only the average order size up, but I can drive the lifetime value of that customer up. And, and to me, the key thing here is having that relationship one-on-one -on -one with the customer where we can continue to sell them more and more products, whether or not they're Playboy branded, but part of that Playboy lifestyle. And that's what we're focused on. And so, you know, we've talked about this after the fourth quarter. We've talked about it in the first quarter, you know, very focused on style and apparel this year and sexual wellness. We think there's a huge opportunity in lingerie and other sexual wellness uh, that we're currently executing upon. And with that, we can sell cosmetics. We can sell a whole host of other products to the consumers based on the data we have. Do you, with the offering you did, do you have plans for acquisition? We do. And we've talked about that. We have a very robust pipeline of M&A opportunities. That's really my background, having spent 20 plus years in the private equity world. Uh, you know, our CFO, Lance Barden, came out of the match. He led the M&A efforts at match for all their acquisitions. Really? So the money that we've raised, uh, we don't, you know, look, we're in a great position. We're a very profitable business. Um, we have $180 million of NOLs. Um, and so we don't need the money to run the company on a day-to-day -day basis. We're not dependent upon that. We'd like to stay cash flow positive uh, from an operations perspective. The money we raise will largely be used to execute our M&A strategy moving forward. We're really one plus one equals three. We can buy businesses or brand, great brands out there that have businesses onto themselves, but they also potentially bring a strategic component to the table that would allow us to accelerate our growth plans even faster. Given his experience with Match.com, could you ever see yourself get in the online dating space? Look, I don't see that as a near-term possibility. But again, this brand has endless possibilities long-term. Right now, we're very focused on sexual wellness uh, and style and apparel, and really on the D2C basis in the United States. Got it. And what was – I know you said you had a lot of your background in PE, M&A experience. What, what is that background in there? Uh, sure. So I, I started off at a firm called Angela Gordon in New York. I was there for a number of years. Uh, in 03, I started a helped start a firm with two partners at, called RISV Travers. Uh, you know, we had a great run at RISV. Uh, we did two things. We took minority, uh, large minority positions in pre-IPO companies. So when Twitter went public, we were the largest investor in Twitter. We owned about 20% of it. We were investors in Facebook, Square, Snapchat, SpaceX, uh, Instacart, et cetera. And then we also did controlled buyouts. Uh, we owned ICM, which is one of the largest talent agencies, uh, Summit Entertainment, which was a film studio behind wait, Twilight. Wait, wait, ICM, that is a talent agency. It's an existing one right now, right? That's correct. Yep. We were the, the first private equity firm to buy a talent agency. And everyone said to me, you're crazy. Your assets wow. walk out every night. And I said, no. Yeah, what people didn't realize were talent agencies were basically a derivative of studios. And so you could model out the catalog revenue of a talent agency. And that's what we did. And it was, it was a great investment. We owned CSAC, which was a music licensing company that I sold to Blackstone, uh, still sitting on the board of that. So, you know, we had a, we had a robust portfolio and Playboy was actually a company I took private in 2011, did not step into the CEO role until 17, um, you know, largely because as, as long as Hef was alive and he was he was great uh, when in his earlier years as a creative vision, but you couldn't transform the company um, until afterwards because there's a requirement to keep the magazine going as long as he was alive, even though it was irrelevant uh, in the domestic market. 
Now, you've had all these home runs with, you know, Twitter, Square, what have you. I see – I met my friend Griffin Johnson. I know you I see him. But uh, the, um, you, and you took Playboy Private. What made you want to get out there and be such a public role and be a CEO and build this again? Is it because you think there's so much potential there? I mean, you're a guy that didn't have to do this is, what, I guess, what I'm saying. No, look, it, what I wanted was the flexible capital structure. And so um, – you know, Playboy was a business that had the consumer demand. The business is there. The consumer demand is there. But we had a capital structure that was broken. Um, and we really needed fresh capital to transform the business model. I also wanted to have a flexible capital structure to execute on sort of what I would say is my core competency, which is M&A, uh, that we've been able to accomplish that not only through the initial IPO or despacking, but through the equity raise that we accomplished a few weeks ago. And so we have a we have a war chest on our balance sheet of 250 plus million dollars today. We have the ability to borrow under our debt facilities. Um, and so everything that we want to accomplish going public has happened. Um, look, as a team, we have to continue to execute. We know that. Uh, and then hopefully over time, investors reward you with the right valuation based on your execution. Got it. Now, is is is, is, is like is digital playboy.com going to be a much bigger focus going forward? Um, where do you see that? And, and, and I, I guess I'll, I'll add a second piece onto that question too, which is with, with that direct to consumer business, yep. uh, you know, is it that, that consumers are purchasing products directly from you? Uh, I, I guess that's what the name implies, or is it through partnerships, you know, retailers, affiliates, et cetera? Yeah. So we relaunched our website, brought in Kevin Diamond, who has run, you know, almost a billion dollar econ businesses before Nordstrom, Forever 21, et cetera, they are buying product directly from us. So we've been able to successfully transition our audience from that of a media audience to that of a consumer product audience, you know, conditioned to buying products from us. They are still buying products to our partners as well because we haven't made the full transition. We're doing this in a very systematic, profitable way as we transition. Uh, but long term, you know, we will continue to expand the number of product categories that we have on our website, as well as the product offering on our website. You know, from a digital perspective, um, you know, there's a number of opportunities. Uh, there's there's social gaming. There's real money gaming. Uh, you know, when we think about blockchain, NFT, Decentraland, being able to do virtual experiences, you know, I could see a world in the future where we have a virtual Playboy Mansion where you can host events at a virtual Playboy Mansion online. You could couple that with a physical experience. And so, you know, the example I've given publicly before is Halloween's always been a huge holiday for us, right? We sell a ton yeah. of, we actually sell, sell a ton of costumes uh, through our through our Yandy platform and at Playboy.com last year. But, you know, imagine coming to a world where not only can you buy physical goods, you can buy digital goods, you can have a digital party online as well as a physical party in Las Vegas. You know, a great example of that is what Travis Scott did um, on Fortnite a few, uh, about, what, a year, a year and a half ago. Yep. 27 million people tuned in. And that's the power of this changing business model. But I think what stands out long term, and I truly believe this, in this Amazon world that we live in is brands. And brands are the true differentiators long-term in consumers' mind. Now, you have to have a brand that's relevant to consumers, that they believe in, that you, they share the same core values. And I believe that this brand and what it stood for over its 68 years, when you look at personal freedoms, you know, civil rights, LG, LGBTQ plus rights, et cetera, this is a brand that has, has uh, been tested over time. And I believe the causes it has supported over time are as relevant today as they ever have been.
Okay, and someone going to your digital example, uh, Damon wrote, if, if Playboy would offer NFT trading um, of prior playmates in the past, it would blow tops out of the water. Have you guys looked um, at NFTs? Yeah, so we did our first NFT launch a few weeks ago on Nifty Gateway. It was a new, it was new art that was created. So it's not the five thousand pieces or one of them that's sitting behind me, which is the Leroy Neiman. You know, we have five thousand pieces of art in our collection. We have ten million pieces referring to those photographs. Wow. Um, you know, what, what I believe, I believe the NFT space is still really in its infancy, and it's going to go through ups and downs. Um, you know, the challenge right now in the NFT space is I don't think the user experience is very good. And so what we're looking at is testing a number of different things on different platforms. We have more coming this year. We're looking at gaming and a whole host of other things. And then okay. the question is, how do you integrate that into your own platform from a customer perspective so you can deliver a centralized customer experience? And those are things that we're working on long term. But look, we're not we're not jumping into this this is a business that drives $3 billion consumer spend. NFTs is a nice growth opportunity for us. And we believe in the space or really the blockchain space long-term, but we need to see the right UI UX develop. That could be that we either develop it ourselves to our platform, we license it or, or white label someone else's product. Uh, but again, what we're focused on is delivering the right consumer experience to our customers. Uh, go ahead, Luke. I was just saying, you touched on gaming a couple times, another really interesting, really rapidly evolving space. Uh, can, you, can you talk about that a little further? Look, we, we've been in the gaming uh, space for 40 plus years. We have a casino uh, in London with in partnership with Caesars, which is a physical casino. We have partnerships with scientific games and micro gaming on the real money gaming side. Uh, you know, we're working on opportunities to continue to license rights that we have taken back over the years. And then there's a the whole entire social gaming side that we're focused on. Yep. We're bringing that to life in a cohesive ecosystem. Now, one thing. Do you have? Do you guys still own the rights, or did it license out to another network? You guys used to do like you had a big movie video network, uh, Playboy Video, that I know was its own channel. Maybe it still is, but then I think some of the play like maybe got syndicated. Do you guys still have the rights to all that video? So we own the majority of that video. You know, Playboy TV in the U.S. We still do own. You know, that is not the future for us uh, moving forward. Uh, we're continuing to move away from that part of the business, um, and most of the international versions of it we have terminated at this point. Again, you know, as a private company, a company that did not have a lot of cash, we were putting everything back into the business. We worked through liabilities as we were shutting things down versus Maybe. terminating. Maybe we could take over that channel with our Benzinga 12 hours a day of financial fun news instead of there just you boring. You know. well, look, I, I'm a capitalist, and at the end of the day, I'll do whatever's in the best interest of shareholders. And if uh, you guys have an interest in it, we're happy to have that. We, we have somewhat. But what what I was getting at is HBO used to have the, the, the series real sex store. Like it was like, you know, it went from zero. And I think that went out of like, I feel like through Netflix or whatever, I think there's like, probably room for docu-series stuff that isn't there anymore. I don't know if that's Playboy's position, but you're saying you're getting out of that. So that's probably not. Well, what I say is the, the adult side of things is not the future of the company. I think there's interesting other products that you can couple with that audience or, or with the talent in that space. Um, you know, as far as docu-series and as far as bringing to life, 
you know, his, historical pieces of content. You know, we've just signed a deal to bring the Playboy interview into a podcast format. Again, that, I would view that as brand extension, yep. or supporting some of the causes that we have supported historically. Um, but again, I want to be very clear. We are not a media company. You know, I believe that the business model of being a brand in the media company are diametrically opposed. By definition, on media, you're trying to sell advertising. And I don't know how to stay true to a brand if, by definition, you're selling advertising on a CPM basis. Yeah, right. no, that, that makes sense. I mean, because you, you have to listen to the ad, uh, the partners. Um, you have to listen to them, and then you, you can't control your destiny, I guess. So you're, you don't want, you don't want to be in that business. Well, yeah, I think you're, you know, historically in the advertising business, you're, you're selling it on page views or click throughs or, you know, total audience. And I think the challenge with that as a brand is that dilutes the brand versus staying, you know, singularly focused on making sure that the brand has a clear mission in the consumer's mind. Yep. No, I got it. Um, Luke, what are you going to say? Yeah, I, I just wanted to ask one, one more uh, uh, question about the core business, or, sort, of, sort of the some of the direct to consumer segments. Uh, you know, China is, is a massive part of, part of your business. Gen Z is becoming a big part of your business. Can, can you talk a little bit about why the Playboy brand has resonated so well with those segments? Yeah, I think look, Playboy is, is somewhat counterculture. I think that Playboy, uh, the causes that we have stood for, these personal freedoms are as relevant to today's generation and Gen Z as any generation uh, before that. And I think that, you know, given our 68-year history, we have validity in talking about these issues and fighting for these issues. Uh, the brands had a massive resurgence, uh, you know, since Rachel Weber and the new content team has come in. You know, we're telling the story from a female point of view today. Over 50% of our employees internally are women, uh, which is great. Very different than when I took over as CEO. And I think that's 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 resonated. I think it's the people that we're working with, and I think it, it's it's a. Uh, you know, it all builds upon itself. And so when you have like Kylie Jenner and Travis Scott coming to us a few years ago and wanting to work with us and Bad Bunny, et cetera, um, Bretman Rock, what, two weeks ago for Pride doing the T-shirt that sold out in, in like literally, I think, even before he posted. Wow. You know, these, these are Bretman Rock. Okay. Uh, and so when you think about that, I think it, it, it's a conscious decision for to continue to refocus the brand on what we view as sort of the core DNA of it. Uh, looking back at it. And I think that's resonated with audiences today on a global basis. It's why your PacSun and Misguided business, which is largely a Gen Z business in the United States, streetwear, you know, that business has grown 15x over the last three years, right? It's up over 400% in the first quarter. And it's because the brand is relevant. And, you know, I hear all the time about how many people on TikTok, et cetera, are wearing the brand. I, I think we're just getting started. I, again, I keep saying we're always in the bottom half of the first inning using a baseball analogy. And I think there's a lot of other things that we can do both organically and inorganically to accelerate our growth moving forward. No, your brand is huge. I mean, the, the, and, and the transition of the business line is absolutely amazing. Yeah. I mean, an in, in, incredible transformation of the business model. Yeah. I okay. mean, people wear that rabbit and everyone knows what it is. Like, it's just like, and it's, and something that I, knowing that you're behind it is a big, strong thing, given what you've been successful with. And um, I don't know. I mean, I'm going to stay tuned because I, you guys, you know how to execute. You've been involved with these digital startups and you could take the brand in many different ways. And I think the way you described is very enlightening. And I think a lot of this stuff, we didn't know the story. So I think I, you know, we appreciate you coming on, Ben, and explaining the story because there's a lot of brand extensions. I mean, everyone knows Playboy. Everyone knows Playboy. I mean, that's, 
How, how valuable is that? There's very few brands that everyone knows. Look, that's why, you know, when we went public, we needed to raise the money and we were happy to take a little bit of dilution to do it. But yeah, that's true. I mean, where else can you buy a brand that has our recognition, right? I can think of probably two other brands on a global basis, Nike and Coca-Cola that are as well known as Playboy, right? And they have, they have products that are accessible by what I would say is the masses, right? You know, even Apple, which is an unbelievable brand, their products are too expensive in, in large parts of the world. And so when you think about this brand and that recognition, that's priceless. You can't build that today. You know, you can try to spend billions and billions and billions of dollars and you cannot recreate what we have on a global basis. Now, as a team, yep. you know, part of going public was also helping to tell the story that this is a very different company than your father's Playboy. You know, in China, you know, we did a billion dollars of e-com last year in China. I mean, that, that, that's huge. Unreal. Yeah, it's crazy. It's and amazing. So those are the opportunities. It's amazing. I'm sitting. I'm sitting here. I'm at Benzinga, but I'm like, I have like five different ideas spinning in my head. Okay, well, why don't they do this? Or why don't they do this voting thing of people and be, you know, because the brand. But I get where you're going. Like I love the cannabis angle potentially too for 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 when cannabis becomes legalized. I'm we, we, we had outlined that as part of you know one of our ten priorities in the beginning of the year when we announced our fourth quarter last year. And unfortunately, you know, Congress has not acted. I don't know if they will act on this. Um, as a publicly traded company, uh, you know, this company helped start the Normal Foundation with a $5,000 donation. We've been an advocate for the legalization of marijuana, um, you know, for as far back as I can remember. Uh, but we can't do it as a public company until yeah. it's federally legal well, or will be delisted. Ben, this is before you're in Luke's time. Just joking, Ben, you're similar to my age. But the the Super Bowl was here in Detroit. It was, I think, 2006. Yeah. Okay, because I started a ticket business then, SeatWar.com, to compete with StubHub. But side point, there was a Playboy party. There was a Hawaiian Tropic party. There was there's different parties to get into. And, there, you know, there's like they rented out clubs in downtown Detroit. It was actually the beginning of the downtown renaissance here in downtown Detroit. But the Playboy party was a hot party to get into. Do you guys think about doing more physical, like, uh, events or – uh, things like using that brand. I know you guys had a deal with um, with a casino in Vegas at one point too. Like, um, do you guys think about doing that? Because I remember that everyone wanted to go to the Playboy party. Yeah, yeah. getting people to the Playboy party has never been an issue. Right. Um, and so, obviously, you know, the last eighteen months have been very difficult. But we're actually hosting our first physical party uh, in July with the guys at Tau Group at Marquee. So we're bringing back Midsummer Night's Dream as a live experience. If you want to fly there, Jason, let me know. I'll make sure you have a table or a ticket. What's the date? I think it's July 31st, but don't hold me to that. All um, right. That'll be maybe and, Luke's birthday gift. Okay. There we go. But we have other things planned uh, for the balance of the year. We have announced that we are going to be participating uh, in Miami for Art Basel this year. So the beginning of December, part of our NFT strategy. Do you know Dave Grutman yet? I don't. No. Okay, he's the, like the mayor of Miami. He owns like the hot restaurants. I should maybe connect you guys. All he's right. a good guy for you to know. We're, we're going to be doing we, we're going to be doing it at Casa Tua, which is a, which is a great place down in Miami. The uh, best. And, and best we have feeling. and we have some other things uh, planned down there as well. Potentially a, a pop up Playboy store, etc. Um, and so we have a whole host of events that over the next 12 to 18 months we'll be rolling out. I, I believe this brand is best when people can actually physically experience it as well. It's just the last 18 months have obviously thrown a wrench in that. Um, yep. But, you know, given what other people have suffered, it, it's nothing for us. So, yeah, no, understood. And that, and there's tons of potential there. And um, 
I mean, it's a, that's why the power of a brand. I, people, when you're just listening to this, you don't realize the power of a brand because literally, let's just say, for example, let's say you own a restaurant in Miami that can fit a thousand people, okay? And they're not the restaurant's not doing that well, and they're like, okay, we're gonna have a party one night. We're gonna make it whatever. And they're gonna have a DJ. The DJ's not famous, whatever. No one's gonna show up. All of a sudden, if they attach the word Playboy to it, that Playboy party, it's gonna be packed. It's gonna be packed. And the power of that brand, where you built for years, you built that brand, and so now it's worth something. It, it, it's very rare to be able to do that. It's very, very rare. It's like the analogy I'd put to it. I'm playing in like in this Rocket Mortgage Golf Pro Am on Wednesday next week, and Phil Mickelson's coming. Phil Mickelson brings a huge audience because he's Phil Mickelson. Yeah. You guys bring a huge audience because you're a Playboy, and there's a lot of value in that. Yeah, well, look, we did that in Vegas historically. So you know, in partnership with the Tao guys that we've known for a very long uh, time, uh, pre-COVID, we had pool parties at Tao Las Vegas, and what we saw, and don't hold me exactly to these numbers because it was a few years ago and I don't remember, but when we attached the Playboy brand to their Friday pool Friday pool party, yep. I think I think they were up like thirty percent year over year with it, um, right? And, and to me. That's why I left private equity to do, to do this, which is this was the single biggest opportunity I had seen in my career, even with all the success we had. And it's because of the power of the brand. You can't recreate this brand. Right. And, and to me, you know, when you think about what differentiates, how is Nike able to make the transition they made? And, you know, we all could emulate to be them. But they made this transition to to leave Amazon. Right. And go D to C. They, they, they can do that because of the power of that brand they have. So, so you don't want to get in the space to come like compete with OnlyFans or any of that kind of stuff? Look, we have the ability uh, to convert our audience and the talent we work with into that space. It's something that we're evaluating. And I've, I've said that publicly before. OK, um, I think we want to make sure we do it in the most thoughtful of ways. Um, that continue to, you know, stay core to our mission, which is enabling pleasure for all. And so what, what's unique about that is you're putting the monetization tools, not in our hands, but in the hands of the creators. And I think that today is more relevant than us trying to monetize it ourselves. Uh, and so it's something that we're evaluating. I think it's a big opportunity. It's something that we know the brand works in that space. It's just doing it in, in a thoughtful way. All right. We love it. We love it. Um, looking forward to the parties. Luke, maybe we'll have some stuff to celebrate at the end of July. Who knows? Um, um, yeah. Um, but anyway, thank you for coming on, Ben Cohen. The Ben and Benzinga. Who knows? It could be that person. Um, maybe we'll see you. If we don't see you in Vegas, we'll see you next next time in Jerusalem. Okay? That's great. Perfect. Thank wow. you, guys. Thank awesome. you. Awesome. Thanks, Ben. All right. Thanks, Ben. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.